Hey there, Colin. It's John here, just listening to your episode 274, why we play RPGs, follow-ups, downtimes, and trackways. And I'm just listening to the bit where you were talking about how people could be incentivized to get involved with a game, between games, you know, um, keep the enthusiasm levels up. And this is something I struggled with for years. And I think the simple answer, unfortunately, when you come down to it, is you can't really now don't get me wrong i'm not saying that you know that there aren't people out there who love like writing stuff for their characters doing stuff between games turn up to every session brimming with ideas and possibilities and have been talking about it between sessions but certainly in my experience those people are the exception rather than the norm Searching for moons For an evil ogre in an ancient room Was a fortunate son of the OSR Without a ten-foot pole I wouldn't get very far The ground was murky and I caught a look As the dungeon master opened up his grim tooth book And then I fell into a spike pit Oh yeah, spike pit Oh, it would have spikes in it I'm Colin Green and you are listening to Spike Pit Now, when I was a younger GM, um, so when I first started role-playing, I used to spend all manner of time sort of thinking about how I could get people to write character journals, downtimes, things between games. And I think part of the reason for that is I started off sort of role-playing in a serious way by playing a Mind's Eye Theatre live-action World of Darkness game. And a lot of that game takes place in downtime. So I was like, yes, this is the role-play experience I'm after. And it took me a long time to realise that that's a fairly atypical experience. It's not really what tends to happen with tabletop RPGs. Now, I'm not saying, as I said, that you'll never get a character journal or anything like that. You may do, and I'm certainly very happy when I receive stuff like that and backgrounds, etc. But I've come not to expect them and to just sort of when they they do happen, it's an unexpected little bonus. Downtime update on downtime. Uh, DM Ricky, he has re- is relaunching Waterdeep, his adventures in Waterdeep, and to kick things off, he contacted us. Via our, uh, our what do you call it, WhatsApp group, um, <laughs> to which I'm not a part of, but um, he just texts me when he does that and um, said, 
right, starting the game up, the characters have had 30 days, basically a month, which is free, 10 days in the realms. What has your character been up to? Take a look at some downtime and, uh, you know, let me know what you want to do. So I thought this was quite an interesting idea. We'd been playing with downtime in my game. Um, Ricky is also running 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. So we looked to Xanathar's uh, Guide to Everything with the expanded downtime rules. And there's actually quite a bit of stuff there. Um, some of the things uh, like um, training. You can you can you can look into that a little bit more than perhaps may appear on the surface. So what what it is, and I'm using this example because my my daughter Daisy, her character wanted to work uh, on her animal friendship. When she came up with her character, she decided she had like this little squirrel monkey knocking about with her. And she wanted to spend a bit of time like working with a monkey and, and perhaps training the monkey. But at the same time, we wanted to work this into the game, uh, the mechanisms of the, the existing mechanisms of the game. So we were looking in Xanathar's and the, uh, there's a proficiency called animal handling. It works on your wisdom, I think. So it's wisdom, animal handling. Um, we thought this might be quite a good fit for what she wanted to do. And she just had a to and fro with the DM, flesh something out. He's given her a little bit of um, some more little buffs to the monkey. Uh, some funny little traits and stuff like that. And it's actually become almost a sort of a, a little character, like a like a sidekick type of slim down character. She's super engaged with this. This is the most I've heard her talking about the game outside of sessions since really uh, probably character generation. So it's it's really captured her imagination. Now my guy, um, he's he's a sort of fairly um, pacifistic monk character. He's a real do-gooder, helping. Uh, he's for the people, helping the people. He's in water deep. He goes into the kind of poorer quarters, uh, trying to find things for the youth to do. Uh, gainful employment and uh, handing out food and trying to break break up and mediate in the gang wars that go on. Uh, so. I said, well, I think I'll I'll be doing more of that. At the same time, work on my contacts. And the way you can appreci- uh, approach this is either through... Um, there's a kind of religious observance type of section, or you could almost do it through the um, the ideas for carousing. So, you know, there's there's flexibility there. And, you know, it, it's, it's just a few dice rolls and... 
then there's a, a percentage chance that there'll be complications. Most of them, I think it's a 10 or 15% chance complications. And the different activities incur different costs, as you might imagine. There's like research, magical research, uh, finding a magical item, crafting magical items, researching things, uh, which is a quite a handy way if um, you've got the way I see it panning out in my game is some of these locations hidden in the jungle where you could go and spend some time researching to um, find the information that you specifically want rather than the usual kind of role playing putting out feelers, going down the tavern going to see various NPCs etc. You can just do this quite simply with a bit of um, with a bit of downtime activity so yeah uh, really enjoying that hey up Colin Shandy Andy here every time I call in I, I feel as though I'm almost contradicting and taking a, an alternate point uh, point of view to you <laughs> and yet I feel that we'll probably uh, think very much alike actually anyway um, it was just in your, your latest episode again. I, I was listening in to some of the call-ins and um, it was to do really with um, contacting players in between sessions. And I think, again, very much you need to gauge that with the player. Because I'll be honest, at the moment, I really, really do not, in any games I'm playing in, I don't want to have to do anything in between sessions. Uh, I, I really just want to turn up at the session. I don't mind turning up a little bit early, um, you know, half an hour early or something and having a chat about it. And that's fine. But what I don't want to do is be contacted about what's my character doing, you know, a few days after or before the session. And it's just, um, I've got too much going on, quite frankly, at the moment. I, I've got, I've, each day I allocate to doing a certain thing, to be honest, in my spare time, because it's pretty limited. Um, now, having said that, about sort of uh, 12 months ago, it would have been a completely different kettle of fish. I would have been very interested in, um, you know, trying to do extra stuff in any campaigns or sessions I was running in uh, and getting involved. So it really, I think as a GM, you have to gauge that with the players and not force it on them, but sort of see who's interested, you know, and who isn't. Because I've certainly not deliberately not got involved in certain campaigns at the moment purely because I just know I can't put in the effort which the GM really requires. So quite often when I'm podcasting I haven't got the facts in front of me but this occasion I have actually got some information on D&D downtime activities and this is coming from Xanathar's Guide to Everything beginning on page 125. Now the idea of downtime activities are is it's a way to develop your maybe your campaign world develop your character a little bit possibly even uh, develop plots it's a way for the the dm to work in hooks uh, contacts faction play I, I mean i think there's loads of opportunities to it and and for me it's been a bit of a ne- neglected part of play but increasingly I'm finding it quite rewarding I've mentioned a number of times that in um, the game I'm playing with John Largest ICRPG and he's using some stuff out of 
um, scum and villainy. It's pretty similar to the stuff in Blades in the Dark. They've got uh, common heritage there. And uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. So this is, this is how it works in 5th edition. You, you, you look, for, look through the, uh, the activities on offer. Basically pay a cost in gold or, or uh, a financial cost and a time cost. And then you're going to be rolling to see uh, how it resolves and if there's any complications. Now, there's, there's quite a few um, different activities. So I'm just going to go through some of the downtime activities. You've got buying a magic item, carousing. Uh, you can carouse at three different levels. You can do like lower class carousing, middle class carousing or upper class. And each of those comes with its own set of complications. Then there's crafting an item uh, with kind of subsection on crafting uh, magic items. And uh, interestingly enough, or you may not agree my uh buddy ricky jenzu is a drunken master and an example of crafting is his involvement getting uh, a batch of tej which is a local alcohol uh, it's uh, consumed in port nine zaru and i believe uh, he's got the brewers uh, brew brewing kit and proficiency in brewing and he has kind of set himself up with a tavern owner to to sort of start messing about with the idea of this Tej. He's also got a contact who's like a... Uh, he goes out in the jungle getting exotic fruit and veg. <laughs> uh, I can't even remember how this came about. But working in that contact and this downtime has, has made for some sort of like interesting um, amusing would be a better word um, sessions and, and, and scenes within sessions and and that's just basic kind of crafting then you've got the magical crafting like I say then you can kind of carry out crimes do heists and things like that then there's rules for gambling pit fighting uh, and, and the way that comes into to my campaign is there's a coliseum in Nyanzaru where you can uh, go and do some kind of gladiatorial combat and then there's also a place called Executioner's Run which is a kind of a trial by combat idea criminals are thrown into this like long trench with uh, wild creatures and the idea is they run across it try and get to the other end and get out and if they do that is considered their their punishment so um it, it you know it uh is a way to kind of amuse the crowds and and deal with your crime and punishment and there are certain people strapped for cash that use this as a, as a way to generate income through side bets and stuff like that so you can get quite notorious uh, it's uh, obviously a very hazardous pastime and we haven't that hasn't come much into play so far we've 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 run a couple of sessions 
uh, racing and fighting in the Coliseum, which were good. But we, uh, I mentioned at the time that this this could um, be a downtime activity, or it could be something that we could play out in future sessions. So that's mentioned in the book. Um, some sort of interesting complications because there's um, kind of criminal underworld vibes getting involved with that or you've upset a noble and uh, maybe you get accused of cheating different stuff so that's pretty good then there's just a kind of a, a relaxation a bit boring but you know sometimes that's just what you want to do. I don't, mm, I'm very lukewarm on that. Religious service is a good way to get brownie points with your deity or or priest of your deity, temples, things like that. My character is currently involved with that and you, you earn favours. Um, but you run the risk of dropping a clangor, performing some sort of inadvertent blasphemy stuff like that or yeah there's some there's some really good complications actually for religious service let me just uh, read them out so on a one so it's a d6 roll you've got a 10 percent chance for every work week that you spend in religious service and the complications are as follows on a one you have offended a priest through your words or actions on a two Blasphemy is still blasphemy, even if you did it by accident. On a three, a secret sect in the temple offers you membership. On a four, another temple tries to recruit you as a spy. On a five, the temple elders implore you to take up a holy quest. Or on a six, you accidentally discover that an important person in the temple is a fiend worshipper. So you can see there's some, some good hooks there potential complications that could could come into play uh, then we've got research I think that is a handy way of getting stuff out to the characters um, I'm, I'm imagining at the moment the scenario where they're trying to find some location in the jungle perhaps like Mesro or one of these places there's untold lost things in the jungle and by researching you kind of learn up to three pieces of law depending uh, how much money you invest in your research you can improve your chances and the way you you go about it is just making like a, a roll you make a, a DC check let me just check that how does that work now yeah, so you declare the focus of your research and after work week you make an intelligence check and you get plus one bonus per 100 GP spent beyond the initial 100 up to a maximum of plus six. Um, and obviously as as a DM you can tweak that and, and modify that if, if the characters have got maybe some contacts you can get the prices down perhaps you could do a little bit of haggling all sorts of um, all sorts of options and uh, opportunities there then there's a research complications now we had that happen in my game uh, of, which one was it a valuable book was damaged um, oh yeah on a one you accidentally damage a rare book and that involved the player 
handing over a couple of um, statues of Chewinga that they found in the jungle. As it happened, they were looking to offload them to a buyer, and I said, do you know what? The library would be quite interested in those statues. If you hand them over to the library, they'll forget the damage to the uh, to the rare book. So that was Daisy. She was happy with that. Uh, another thing you can do, you can scribe a spell scroll. You've got the costs uh, for that. So for an example, a cantrip will take a day, costs 15 GP. A first level spell takes a day, costs 25 GP. Uh, some complications there. You, uh, on a one, you bought up the last of the rare ink used to craft scrolls, angering a wizard in town. The priest of a temple... Of good excuses, you what? The priest of a temple of good excuses, you off track, accuses you. What am I on about? Dang, I can't even read properly. I've got the sun causing glare. The priest of a temple of good accuses you of trafficking in dark magic. A wizard eager to collect one of your spells in a book presses you to sell the scroll. Uh, due to a strange error in creating the scroll, it is instead a random spell of the same level. Uh, the rare parchment you bought for your scroll has a barely visible map on it. Or a thief attempts to break into your workroom. Now, I think this is some good stuff. And obviously, you could come through as you use up some of these... Um, they're, they're, they're perhaps a bit kind of one-off-ish, so scrub them out and, and come up with some new complications. But I think there's a good set to to get your um, get your mind going and inspire you into some sort of more creativity. Then there's the selling a magic item, which is um, actually pretty tricky and can be quite time-consuming. Then you can do training. We've had quite a few folks getting involved with training i've mentioned daisy but also sunny now is uh training he wants to train his um sorcerer into learning alchemy because in Waterdeep, he he's got friendly with a, a an old um dragonborn uh, mage or wizard or something who owns <laughs> the classic fantasy magic shop in Waterdeep and he, he really loves that I talked about in an episode about how stoked he was discovering that there was this shop Ricky plays plays the Dragonborn super well puts on a funny voice and everything and Sonny is I believe going to sort of like become an understudy to that guy and learn the arts of alchemy bringing a proficiency to his character sheet and um, an ability to sort of start crafting potions and stuff so that's come about through training then you can just take wages and, and work a normal job that's about it i think there's lots of scope there it's underutilized and something i want to bring much more into my games and that is all straight out of the book Immediately, people are going to think, well, there's, there's things I could do better there. And of course there is. But I'll, I'll keep you posted and let you know how I get on. And that's about it. Uh, big thanks to John Large of Red Dice Diaries and Shandy Andy of Unguarded Treasure B52. 
uh, I hope I've addressed their comments in my thoughts on downtime. For John, yeah, um, I'm not so worried about the backgrounds and the journal type stuff. It, it really is this idea of a simplified, maybe mechanised kind of downtime that uh, that I'm going for initially. Uh, I think to Andy's point, that means that if you have got someone that just wants to jump in, maybe quarter of an hour to half hour at the beginning of a session to get that cleared up, you know, they, they've got busy lives. This, um, this method of downtime presented in Xanathar's guide is, uh, is perfect for that. And, you know, to John's point, if you are someone who wants to get into that narrative, you, you like your journals, you like getting really immersed there is scope to do that as well uh, and it's just all added flavour you, d- you don't need to rely on this, any of this stuff and for sure um, I, I, I imagine players that, that really get involved outside of the session are definitely an exception to the norm I occasionally do but normally sessions come round so fast I, I I I perhaps I have the best of intentions and then before I know it, oh man, I'm due to play again and I didn't get round to whatever it was I was going to do. Uh, I, I mean, going forwards, I think I'll be cutting back on some of the games I'm playing in. So hopefully that will free me up to engage a bit more fully with the games that I am in. And then the other thing, of course, is thinking about the types of games you get involved in. I, I would probably like to play a few more sort of shorter duration things and some one shots. I always, I always have fun with them because I, I quite like playing uh, pre-generated characters. That's something I've talked about before. I've got no problem with that at all. And and you kind of, what's the phrase? You you, you drive, you play them. You know, you drive them like you stole them. That's that's the style I like to try and adopt in one shots. Uh, also, want to say a big thank you to the patrons, the guys I call the guys and girls. I call the the pit crew over on Patreon. Um, big thanks to them for their generosity, their ongoing support. It's what keeps me going and growing. Last but not least, I want to say a big thank you to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to Old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later. I fell into a spike pit Oh yeah, a spike pit Oh, a pit would have spikes in it